Hello and welcome to Mastermind.fm, where we talk about doing business with WordPress. Your hosts today are James Laws from WP Ninjas and myself, Jean Galea from WP Mayer. If you're in the market for a host, listen to this. We're excited to be able to announce that WP Engine, one of the best managed hosting solutions in the WordPress space, has recently become a sponsor of Mastermind.fm. This partnership is an honor for us, and it's a great deal for you. Head over to WPEngine.com and give them a look. Pick any one-year plan and enter the coupon code MASTERMIND at checkout. For our listeners, that means four months free managed WordPress hosting out of your first year with WP Engine. And that's hard to beat. WP Engine is one of the best managed hosting services in the WordPress community. As someone who makes a living in e-commerce, I just can't overstate how critical a solid, reliable hosting service is. WP Engine can be that host for you, and we hope you'll give them a try. Send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm to let us know about your experience if you sign up with them. You won't be disappointed. Today we're going to resume our discussion about business models for WordPress. We already have recorded and published two parts of this discussion, and this is the third part. Who knows how many there will be? Maybe one or two, I don't know. But we're going to keep discussing and giving due attention to these um, models because there's a lot to talk about, and many of you have asked us even questions about this, so we really want to take our time with these episodes. James, why don't you take us through what we've already discussed so far? Yeah, so we're we're one episode removed because we had a kind of a bonus episode last where we discussed going to conferences. So you may have forgotten what we discussed as it pertains to business models. We kind of dove into the idea of recurring versus lifetime licenses a little bit. But the models we discussed were freemium, uh, productized services and memberships. So we looked at products like uh, MailPoet and iTheme Security, Event Calendar, Soliloquy, and several others, uh, as well as productized services like WooSplit and Audience Ops, and how Yoast kind of transitioned before they were before they had pro products. They actually used their free product to kind of promote a service that they offered. Uh, as well as some membership sites and things like that. So Post Status, uh, Elegant Themes, most theme companies have some sort of a membership for their all of their themes. So that's kind of what we touched on in the previous episode. And now we're going to get into things that are, uh, I think, touch both of us a little bit more because there are some models that we're doing currently. Uh, so why don't you uh, kick us off? Yeah, so the first uh, one we want to discuss is the model where people are selling purely support. So the core plugin and any add-ons are free, but support is paid for. And this is a model where I think Pippin has experimented with in the past as a partial model for his business. And I think he gave up on that or he certainly wrote that it wasn't the best decision for him. And I think... Um, he removed that part of the business or it's still there but it's he's still not he's not counting on it but i think the main plugin here which uh, really was trying to do this model was paid memberships pro do you know how that worked james you know, I'm not as familiar with the product, uh, that specific product. Uh, I don't know what your background is or experiences with them. Um, I, I know of the product, obviously, but I don't know how well their experience has been with simply selling support for their mostly free products, right? Yeah, so this was a membership product. Um, there are several mem- membership prog- plugins. So this one was trying to do things differently by offering the plugin for free and relying on income derived from mem- um, from support. Uh, the problem is that people 
tend to need support in the beginning stages and then kind of learn how to use the plugin and that's it once they're getting the updates they don't really need support in the subsequent years so and we already have a problem with low renewal rates in general with wordpress plugins and going for this model makes it even more difficult to persuade users to continue paying the yearly fee. Yeah, and I think, you know, the selling support model is always going to be challenging. Like you said, people need help in the beginning stages. And generally think speaking, they don't think that the issues that they are having are their fault. You know, they don't think they're just their user, you know, maybe user error. They think it's bugs and stuff like that. And people don't want to pay for support for when they think the product is buggy. Now, the truth is the product probably isn't buggy. It may be, but a lot of times the things that they're experiencing aren't bugs, but the user doesn't know that. They just know the product isn't working and they want support. So you're going to have a struggle when all you do is sell for support and people feel like you provided this product for free and they're entitled for it to work to a reasonable expectation of what they think it should do. And so you end up getting a lot of one-star reviews because they're like, well, this person doesn't support their product. I asked for support and they want me to pay money to get help. And it just creates a, it's, it's a hard model, I think, to pull off. It's, it's the very reason why we actually support our free plugin because we don't want to create this atmosphere of we don't support the things that we build, we do. Um, and we don't, you know, truth is we don't always know if it's not a bug or it's user error. And until we get into a support ticket, we can't determine that. So it's a challenging. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just having a look at the paid memberships pro website and it seems like they've moved on from that model into a three tiered model where they're offering the free version, uh, PMP, PM pro and PM pro plus and the plus tier you get webinars you get a bunch of add-on downloads you get a theme so really i think um they've moved away from the previous support only model for monetization yeah so i i, I think since that was kind of our our shining example of someone who might be trying to do that it seems to me that it's not a a super viable way of supporting your product or your business that being said we don't know every business that's out there. So if you have a product that you're doing paid support and it's working really well for you, uh, let us know. Come go, head over to mastermind.fm and uh, connect with us. Reach out to us at pad, podcast at mastermind.fm and let us know. Maybe we'll have you on the show and we can discuss how it's working for you, why it's working for you, because we want to give that we want to give that option. Uh, it's due respect if it is working, but I have not found a really good successful example as of yet for that particular model. Yeah, definitely. What we're discussing here is just our opinion and our knowledge Absolutely. of the facts. And obviously what we say is not necessarily the only opinion out there. And we encourage always that people look at their specific situation and their, their, their plugin, what it does and which model is best for it. And that's why we're exploring all these uh, models at the moment. Absolutely. So what's our next? Uh... So the next, yeah, the next model is, uh, I guess it's add-ons or add-on. We have two. So let's make the distinction between the two, James. Yeah, so when we're talking about add-ons, it's so the add-ons is a fairly new phenomenon over the last few years. They've it, it, We've been seeing them crop up a lot more often, but there's distinctions that need to be made within add-ons. So there is what we kind of support as a development model of add-ons, and we talked about this in a previous episode a little bit, where you build your core product as lean as possible, but highly extensible, and you build add-ons to extend 
that functionality. These are just other plugins that extend that core plugin's ability. And that may be a paid product that where you offer all of these paid, all of these add-ons as a whole, like Affiliate WP does. You buy one of their tiers or Gravity Forms. You buy one of their tiers and you get all of the add-ons that are available for that tier. So it's not like they're selling individual add-ons, but they are following an add-on development model, which we highly recommend uh, for, for maintainability, ease of use, troubleshooting, debugging, things like that. But then you have add-ons as in uh, where a company sells individual add-ons. And then you have add-ons where people just sell add-ons for other companies, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. So this one we're talking about right now, this first add-on category, are companies who actually build add-ons for their free core plugin and sell those. So it's the business model of selling add-ons to your core free product. Uh, so what are some plugins that are doing that right now? So there's Ultimate Member listed here. We have, I think, Advanced Custom Fields is using the same model. And of course, WPRSS Aggregator, my own plugin. Um, so there, let's let's talk about um, Aggregator since I know that uh, closely. Yeah. So what we did was um, launch the free plugin on WordPress.org. And then given that there was quite a number of feature requests, we developed most of these features into new products, which we call add-ons or extensions. And we sell those extensions from our website. And obviously it's open to other people who want to develop their own add-ons to do so. But so far, and that's why we classified it as the add-on model, we are just selling our own add-ons to the free plugin. Yeah, and it, I, you know, this I love this business model, and I don't think it's right for every product. And we'll talk a little bit about ch later choosing a business model and how do you kind of determine what business model works and things like that. But the reason I really love this business model can be summed up uh, with, a, and I think I may have even mentioned this before, a quote from Seth Godin where he says, you know, the goal in business is not to find more customers for your product, but to find more products for your customers. And so if you have a plugin like, uh, you know, WP RS aggregator or ultimate member, and you're running a membership site or for Ninja forms, you're running, you know, you're running forms on your site. They need very various different things throughout the lifespan of their own business. And if you can offer new add-ons or new products that take them a little bit further and extend it a little bit further, they will buy new products from you. And you don't have to spend all your time acquiring new customers, but you can send to your anywhere from 400 to you know thousands and thousands of customers, you can send them, hey, we have this new thing. And all of a sudden you have a ready-made audience that likes your product, uses your product, is a fan of your product. And they're like, yeah, I'll buy that. And they, you, you, you increase the lifetime value of a particular customer. Yeah, I think one other important thing to mention here is that with each add-on, you can do two things to improve the sales or the revenue generated by that add-on. One of them is to have tiers for licensing, site licensing. So you can have like a single site license, a five site license, and a 10 site license. And then you can have bulk site licensing, which we've seen Yoast do very well with his 50 and 100 and 200 website licenses. So that's that would be very helpful for growing the revenue. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. We do that with Ninja Forms. So we have a single site, a you know two to five site license, and then an up to 20. And then we have a membership that has, you know, unlimited sites yeah and the second thing would be offering bundles which i know you do too with ninja forms yeah so that's another thing where you can encourage people to purchase three four five and even more 
plugins that one go at a slightly discounted price. That yeah, that's and that's important. We've tried that, experimented with uh, some success. Like it does work. There's people who find when you can find things that are purchased together frequently, you can put them together in a bundle, offer a little bit of a discount for purchasing them all at the same time, and that can be very helpful. Yeah, it certainly works for us. I think they're the bundles are the most popular products that we sell actually how do you arrive just to take a, a bit of a tangent here how do you have a formula for arriving at the price of the bundle it's really really tough right price is so subjective how do you determine what something should cost on some level you have to say you, you it really comes down to how much is it, are people willing to pay for it is really what it comes down to because it doesn't really matter how much it's worth you know our membership bundle is technically worth probably three thousand dollars if you were to buy those add-ons individually maybe more uh, but who's going to spend three thousand dollars on a single forms plugin right like that's that's unheard of uh, maybe some people would but maybe not enough for us to keep our revenue flowing like we need it to be so a lot of it is guesswork and experimentation price uh, to me is a pretty pretty big experiment uh, on how we do things um, so we offered $4.99 for all of our, our add-ons and any new add-ons that come. And I've found that just under $500 is kind of a good tipping point when you start to see people start to fall off and they're like, anything over $500, they're like, come on. So that seems to work really well for us as kind of a, a kind of an anchor between 1000 and, you know, yeah. That's interesting. And I guess since you mentioned the 3000 figure, you're bundling a lot of add-ons within that bundle, right? Yeah, so our membership bundle, which isn't really as much a bundle as it is, it is a membership because when we add new things, you just automatically get access to those things, uh, is every single add-on that we offer. So it is a membership to Ninja Forums. You become kind of a, an all-in, all-inclusive member of our program. And how many add-ons, more or less, are we talking about? We are almost at 50 add-ons right now. 50, so. yeah, so that's a huge number compared to what I offer in my own bundles, which is around three, four add-ons per bundle. And maybe this is the difference why you have to sort of limit yourself to the $500 figure, whereas in my case, um, I can just grab the, the price of the three add-ons and say discounted by 20% and people will just go for the bundle because it's a good savings on the three yeah. add-ons that they would need anyway. And in your case, perhaps people will not have a real use case for 50 add-ons at once, but they're just making an advanced purchase in the hope of saving money over the whole lifetime of the project. Yeah, I think people who buy a membership from us, I think are generally people who, are, who have lots of clients and they may not need every CRM or every mailing list integration, but if they get a customer who all of a sudden has that one that they don't normally support, but now we have that add-on, they know they have that in their toolkit and they're ready to just act and they don't have to spend a lot of time saying, oh, well, I don't support that. I'm going to have to find a solution for that. They have it kind of in their tool belt of to, you know things that they can do for their clients so your bundle is all also a yearly payment yeah so we do a yearly license and then we renew uh generally at a 50 percent discount uh every year so 4.99 the first year 2.48 every year after 2.48.50 i guess to finish up on this whole add-on model, I think it's fair to say that it's one of the most popular ways to start monetizing your WordPress plugins. Many people start from the .org repo 
and then build add-ons um, of their successful free plugin. So this is definitely something that you should keep a close eye on. Yeah, it's kind of like creating proof of concept, right? You you put out a free uh, free plugin and you start to see what kind of traction it gets. And then as people ask for feature requests, you can say, well, that's an add-on. And you build an add-on. If you've built your core plugin properly, you can build that add-on and say, you asked for this feature, we now have it and you can buy it here. So it's a nice, it's a gateway into having several products which actually brings us, I think, into the next model nicely, which is uh, talking about add-on marketplaces. So, for instance, Ninja Forms is not just the add-on model. It's an add-on marketplace. So we sell other developers' plugins in our space because if you're looking for something for Ninja Forms, where, be where best to find it than in the official Ninja Forms website? So when we have lots of developers who have built mailing lists or payment gateways or CRMs or just custom integrations for whatever, and we work out a deal with them where they can sell them in our space uh, and kind of not have to deal with building an e-commerce store or not having to deal with all the administrative headache, they basically build the product and handle development support. I mean, that's essentially all they have to deal with. So a question related to this add-on marketplace, if I want to develop and add on for Ninja Forms. How would I go about that? Yeah, so we have a we have a page on our website that says if you want to become a developer for Ninja Forms, and it just basically onboards you, kind of explains the process a little bit. Um, we can, you know, of course, link that in the show notes. But the basic idea is you you give us the information, we connect you to a public to a kind of a private ed. Uh, 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 Trello board that actually Pippin helped us kind of set up initially, and we've kind of morphed it over time for our particular needs. And you kind of come in and look at different plugin ideas, add-on ideas. You can add your own and go through that process. Um, now, unlike other, perhaps other add-on models, so we're pretty pretty strict. So when you want to build, we're gonna we're gonna test everything, we're gonna audit it, we're gonna make sure that it follows the conventions that we're looking for for our product, and that's to protect our user experience. But we've tried to put in as much as we can to make it easy for developers to do that. So we're actually building a whole com developer community around the product with a new website at developer.ninjaforms.com and things like that. Slack channel for instant access conversation with our developers as well. Right. And so when I develop the extension and it's published on your site, do you have any restrictions on whether... I would be able to sell it on my own site. How does it work? We don't currently have any restrictions like that. If you want to sell it on your own site, most people set up an affiliate account with us and just point it back to the marketplace. Um, we, we, we highly recommend only selling it in our marketplace. And there's a reason for that. One, uh, we want to create a unified user experience for our, for Ninja Forms customers. They don't care who built the product. They only know that it it's a Ninja Forms add-on, and if you if it's going to be an official add-on, we want it to be sold in our marketplace. Uh, if you want to sell, build your own add-ons for Ninja Forms and just sell them in your own site, that's fine. Uh, matter of fact, there's a like for instance, there's a WooCommerce Ninja Forms add-on that they sell on their site, but we don't link to it on our site because it, it creates too much confusion. Because if you buy, buy it in one place and you don't have a support license with us in our store, so it's highly recommended that you sell you know, third-party collaborating developer add-ons only in your own marketplace. But we haven't been super strict about that, but we also haven't had anyone kind of challenge that. So my understanding is that as Ninja Forms, you provide all the support for even third-party add-ons. Is that correct? 
Yeah, we we provide first time user support. So if they don't don't know how to set it up, we have documentation. We help them work through the documentation. We try to only go back to the original developer if we find some development bug that needs to be dealt with in the code. In that case, we will hand that ticket on over to them. Right. And what's the revenue share that you employ? 70-30. So developers get 70% and we take 30% for first touch support and handling the administration costs. And that's uh, similar to what other marketplaces, add-on marketplaces do like EDD and WooCommerce. It's all on the same model. And one final question I have that people might be wondering, what happens when a developer, a third-party developer, fails to respond to your requests to fix a bug, for example? That's a great question, right? So this is a part of protecting your brand and protecting your customers and their experience. So we have a process. uh, We have some expectations of how quickly they need to respond to a support ticket if it gets assigned to them. And if we have to touch, if we have to reach out too often, that profit share can change and shift from them getting 70% to them only getting 50%. And the more delinquent, if you will, they are in responding, we could end up taking over the whole product because they've just not responded and they're not, they don't care. They don't seem to take the care of our customers. And that's really important to us. So that's an extreme situation where we just take over the add-on after a period of time, but it doesn't come without a series of emails, a series of reaching out to this person, getting the full story. We try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they were sick. Maybe they were in the hospital. Maybe there's something we didn't know. But if... If it's just a negligent experience and there is no communication at all, it could get to the point where we end up having to take over the entire add-on and just drop them off of it completely. Yeah, because sometimes it's not only about bugs, but an add-on might suddenly become very popular and have many feature requests. And it would be a shame for even the third-party developer himself to abandon his plugin when there's so much more revenue to be made, if only... He implemented those features. Absolutely. Okay, so talking about the add-on marketplaces model, I think it's fair to say that's a kind of evolution from the add-on model we discussed earlier. So as you grow further, you can open up your ecosystem for the third-party developers to join in and create a marketplace for your core plugin. Yeah, and what's nice about that is you'll get developers who can build stuff that's not worth this sounds kind of off, but it's not worth your time and your development time of your main team. Uh, you know, some examples of that are things like um, some like lesser known mailing lists. And you may have a developer who has clients who use that mailing list or that's their mailing list of choice. And so they build an integration for their clients and they think, well, if I'm already building and maintaining this anyway, I might as well sell it for other people. And there's a there's a great thing about that because it creates a what I would call a perceived value of your marketplace. Because if, you, if you're the only one who has this no-name mailing list and a customer needs that integration, you become their only form of choice because nobody else integrates with it. They have no option but to use you. And it doesn't cost you anything to maintain it because another developer is the one who's actually maintaining that product. Yeah, I've seen the same exact situation with easy digital downloads where people will um, implement obscure payment gateways that might be only available, say, in India, when even the documentation might not even be in English. So it's not accessible to the core developers as a, just for reading how to integrate the payment gateway with their plugin. And that opens 
the plugin, as you said, for use in that particular region or country. Absolutely. So, I'm, so I, as you can tell, I'm a big fan of the add-on model, but it comes with challenges. So it's not, it's not always easy to maintain. It, you, when, you know, for instance, we're doing Ninja Forms 3, which is a big, complete and total rewrite of the core plugin. But what that means is all 50 of our plugins, our add-ons, all of our third-party collaborators have to redevelop their add-ons to be compatible with the new version, uh, while also supporting the deprecated version. So... We're trying our best to kind of work with them and give them the resources and hold their hand through that process. But it means we can't just immediately throw a new code base out there because there's all these add-ons that are built on top of it. So that's that's something to keep in mind. It's not it's challenging. Excellent. So we can wrap up on the marketplaces, add-on marketplaces, business model. And we can also talk about people who develop specifically, whose main uh, sort of business is to develop add-ons for existing plugins. So this might sound a bit confusing, but bear with us. <laughs> we have, say, WooCommerce as an example. And then we have people like Skyverge, which, which is a company which de is dedicated to creating add-ons specifically for WooCommerce and other even e-commerce systems. Yeah, another site is, uh, I think, Shop Plugins. I think they do a lot of EDD add-ons. I think they do some Woo add-ons. They, but they, and the, so their focus is actually just commerce, right? They, they, they know the commerce space really well, so they build lots of add-ons for other pretty well-known brands that help enhance the e-commerce experience for whichever solution you might be using. Yeah, and I mean, even ourselves, um, we're we have a number of EDD add-ons such as EDD bookings which is probably the most popular one and it's part of our business and it's growing since there's a lot of demand for these bigger plugins and the ecosystem. Yeah, we we, we even created an add-on for EDD called uh, EDD Get Updater. So it lets you uh, if you have a, if you're especially if you're maintaining a marketplace on EDD and you have a lot of plugins that you update that manual process of grabbing the zip file, removing things that are unnecessary, uploading the zip file, changing the version number in your system takes a lot of time. And this lets you just kind of change, pick a tag out of the repo, and it'll pull and do the zip file for you. It's a one-click update for anything from one of your either GitHub or Bitbucket repo. So yeah, so a lot of us will build add-ons for other companies as well. Right, so moving on to the next business model, we have marketplaces. And again, we're talking about similar words here, but what we mean by marketplaces is um, websites like Creative Market, Mojo, or the Behemoth in this area, and Vato, which has sites like Team Forest, um, Code Canyon, Graphic River, and has a whole suite of websites dedicated to selling individual small products. Yeah, a lot of plugin developers get their start there uh, doing something like Code Canyon, or I think Pippin actually tells uh, this story about how he got into the WordPress plugin space and he built some plugins for Code Canyon. And what's really great about these marketplaces is they give you a ready-made audience. There's people already there looking for tons of content, so you don't have to spend a whole lot of money trying to acquire new customers. They will just stumble upon you in this marketplace. And so it's a great way to get started if you want don't want to spend the headache of building a store and acquiring an audience and getting traffic and doing SEO and doing content marketing and all the stuff that's required to drive traffic, throwing it up in a, in a ready-made marketplace can be a nice, quick way to get started and, and test the waters. 
Of course, the downside is that you're giving up a higher revenue share, in some cases up to 50-70%. So it's giving a lot, but you're also getting a lot in return. So I think it would be advisable for people who are just starting out maybe and have no idea what uh, standards are required, how to go about this whole thing, but they know how to code. So Maybe they can create the plugin, put it up on Envato. And one good thing that these marketplaces enforce is standards. So you can submit a theme or a plugin, but you'll get feedback on maybe why they didn't accept it. And that way you can learn how to ensure that your plugin is up to the standard required by the whole WordPress community. Yeah, for those of you who are buying from marketplaces, that's a fairly new thing, though. So standards used to be much more lax, and you would end up with some pretty poorly coded themes or plugins buying from these marketplaces. But since, I say, in the last three years, they've really tried to crack down and create a review process, which is great for users because you know that code is being checked and looked at for a certain level of standard. And it's also great for developers like you said, you get feedback on what is what is good or not good, performant, what is, you know, maybe off as far as techniques that you may be trying to employ. So yeah, it's a very good, good system. Another big defect with these marketplaces in the past was the lack of support or unreliability of support as each plugin or theme developer was free to offer whatever level of support they deemed fit. And nowadays, this is another thing that Envato um, has taken care of. They're actually doing a lot to promote people who offer support versus those who don't. And really, it does make sense to offer support in any case whether when you're selling something like this. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think it's time to wrap up in this episode. We didn't manage to go through all the business models we had in the list, so there's going to be probably another episode. I guess it would be the final episode. And uh, yeah, I think that we've done enough for today. And perhaps, uh, James, we can again read one of our reviews, which we got for the podcast. We have one coming in from Canada, and uh, it's by somebody who's... Screen name is Fernie Phone. It's a quite a funny author, but we're very thankful for the comment. And uh, James, do you want to go ahead and read it? Absolutely. So they titled their comment, Succinct and Easy Listening. It says, uh, though new, the podcast is now one of my favorites. The length is good and it's less than an hour. Any longer and it takes a concentrated effort to get through. In addition, there isn't much of the filler talk. So these guys get right to the point. Tons of gems in here. The talks are dense. You may need a second take. Well done, guys. This is great stuff. We really appreciate that review for Nifone. Uh, that is, uh, we love to hear positive feedback. We're really excited to do this podcast and comments like these, feedback like this, just uh, kind of fires us up to continue to produce more content. Yeah, and we're really happy to see the podcast being listened to in so many different countries. We already have reviews from seven different countries right now. So we're looking forward to see people from more countries around the world chip in and leaving their review. As usual, you can send questions about anything you heard on this podcast or previous podcasts on podcast at mastermind.fm. And I remind you that there's also 
the possibility of leaving a, a voicemail or voice message on our website just head over to mastermind.fm and that's it you can find me on twitter at Jean Galea and my personal blog jeangalea.com and James where can they find you you can always find me on twitter at James Laws and my personal website jameslaws.com okay let's wrap it up thanks guys take care and we'll see you on the next episode of mastermind.fm see you next time bye